Are you looking to level up your author business? Are you pounding your head against a wall, wondering what your next step should be? Then join me, Daniel Wilcox. And me, Sasha Black, as we haul ass each week in a bid to level up. Level up. Come along for the ride as we delve deep into the business of writing, craft, entrepreneurship, and every level of the author journey. This is the Next Level Author Podcast. Hello Achievers and welcome to episode number 88 of the Next Level Authors Podcast, a podcast where we hold each other to account and track our step-by-step progress as we level up our author business. My name is Daniel Wilcox and here with me every single goddamn week is your favourite Sasha Black. It's Sasha Penelope Black. Hello. How's it going? Hello, darling. Yeah, How's your good. week been? My week's been amazing. I am delightful. So I had a really interesting experience this week, which I didn't tell you about before the show started. And that was that <clears throat> I finished Trey. Yay! We need like a sound sound panel. Cheer. Cheer me. Um, and so I hit my deadline. I, I hit my deadline and I broke all my personal best records, which was amazing. Um, so I've officially now written like well over 6,000 words. I think it was like six and a half thousand words is my now best, my new personal best in a day. Nice. And like the weirdest thing is, it wasn't a struggle. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I don't understand. It mm-hmm. wasn't a struggle to hit that word count. Anyway. The weird, the weird experience was, so like I ruined myself to hit that goal, right? I was so fucked that I had to climb into bed early to avoid a migraine because I was very sure I was going to have a migraine. Well, well, it was like, I was in excruciating pain with my head. I felt sick. Like I was nearly sick. Um, it was like, I was not in a good place afterwards. And then the, the next writing day, journey, everyone. <laughs> I know, right? Look, listen to listeners. You don't have to do a me. Okay. You don't have to work like this. This is just my level of insanity anyway. And uh, do you know my favorite workout ever in life was insanity training? Doesn't seem to be a surprise. Anyway, moving back on um, <laughs> the, the, the next day I woke up and I was like, like like a squishy butthole okay I was so tired you've got a weird obsession with butthole analogies I just love like Satan's butthole like I just it's like one of my favorite phrases glad you clarified that and didn't just say I love buttholes (laughs) (laughs) I hope this is no one's first episode (laughs) (laughs) we are a very very unique flavor of Mm -hmm. podcast here Mm -hmm. um Anyway, so I was wrecked, basically. I had puffy eyes, puffy face. Like, I felt like crud. And Chloe was, like, sort of halfway through the day. She was like, you're glowing. And I was like, fucking glow? What the f- I'm not pregnant. What the fuck are you on about? I'm exhausted. And she was like, no, like, you're glowing. And I was like, okay. And I'm um, all right, honey. And... Uh, Anyway, then later on in the day, I my, I was speaking to my dad, and uh, and or it might have even been the next day, and um, he picked up and was like, "What's what's what's up with you?" And I was like, 
nothing. I'm just exhausted and more so than normal. He was like, no, 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 no. Like, what's up with you? And I'm like, I don't, what the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, carry on talking. And then like, he asked me how my week has been. And I was like, oh, so I hit my goal. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a winner, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, it's smug motherfucker. That's what I can see. Mm. And he was like, you are literally like, peeling off like smug motherfucker and and the conclusion that we got to is that I had generated so many competition energy pennies that like I was swollen with like energy from like from my competition strength but simultaneously fucked like Mm -hmm. absolutely wrecked and this is the weirdest can you can you how can you be both this is a strange phenomenon to me Mm -hmm. i've never experienced this before well so bear with me on this are you aware and familiar with the blobfish no so the blobfish is the world's ugliest fish because when it comes out of the water it's basically a big gelatinous squishy mess please do google it while i'm talking i, I am literally going to google it right now a blobfish out of water is has been classified as the world's ugliest fish maybe even the world's ugliest animal but that is not real are you what, fucking kidding what me? they've discovered is that the blobfish is designed to exist under the extreme pressure of deep sea living so when it's in those pressure that blob actually because of the pressure pushes it into the shape of an actual fish so my theory is that in the lead up to finishing tray, you were a blobfish. And now all of that pressure in reverse has come off your shoulders. You've now been pushed into your actual shape. You're wow. welcome. That is, that is, wow. I mean, that is a really ugly fish. I mean, I don't know if you, it's got any pictures in there of what it, they think it actually looks like underwater. But yeah, the whole point of it, because when all that pressure lifts, it basically just like, <laughs> just melts. <laughs> this but poor yeah. fish, it looks like a sort of, do you know, this is really bad, but it looks like a very early fetus. Mm-hmm. It's very ugly. Yeah. So there you go, Sasha. You're a blobfish. Yeah. <laughs> but and... like the good end of a blobfish. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. <laughs> oh, okay. So how was your week? Moving <laughs> on. Oh, man. My week's been really good. Um, Like, I feel somewhat in control of things again, which is wonderful. And that is wonderful. Yeah. And not to like harp on about it, but dictation is a big part of that. No, it is because it's basically allowed me to not be stuck to computers so I can actually get outside and do walks. Um, and when I can't, I have just purchased a treadmill. So I've now got like a cheap treadmill that I got off of one of these free cycle sites that um, I was on this week on a day when it was like raining and cold. Um, it means that I'm spending less time hitting my words for my ghostwritten clients. My transcriber is working out wonderfully and is sending me like, everything that I need timely and also formatted and punctuated which is beyond what I was asking um and so it's actually given me time to sit down and get to the other stuff that I've not been able to get to for freaking months so I've got like quite a few things launching and happening in the next sort of six to eight weeks um that I'm finally able to to get to producing and planning and scheduling and all that kind of stuff um and then at the same time I'm still chipping away with all of my planning and my building of my business in Notion um, I'm just chipping away. At Which it it... can I just say is mm-hmm. very impressive. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you saw the early version, like it's grown massively since. It's very impressive. Yeah. But what's what's really nice about it um, is just the fact that, like I say, it's so much more customizable. So it has all of the functionality of the programs that I used to use without the restrictions of like, say, Asana, you have to do a to-do list in a certain way or a Kanban board in a certain way. 
Um, this you bait, you literally just build yourself. You can drop links in. You can build tables like the like. I will. I think I said this last week, but I will be doing sort of like um, an overview of how I use it once it's kind of built and ready to go. But just having that capacity to plan and design and look at the other parts of my business that I've not been able to get to in a while because I've always well not always but for this year particularly with the ghostwriting it's always felt like I was going up to the wire with deadlines and the book that I finished this week which is one of my level up challenges um to finish a full novel with dictation clocked in at 70,000 words I finished on Tuesday um that's not due to be handed over for another like six seven weeks so it gives me a bit of time to like chip away and sort of do bits of edits to clean it up. But like I'm I'm miles ahead of schedule, which just I didn't realize how much pressure that was putting down on me. Like I I was a blobfish <laughs> and now I don't feel like a blobfish anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, the, the week's been good. Like I say, it's it's chill. Like I'm really, really sort of reveling in having my own space again and having my own time. Um, I did. So because of nano bootcamp finished um this week uh i ended up rewarding myself on wednesday by going to a local poetry night which is one of the ones i've not been able to get to for like two years saw a couple of people i've not seen in a while um and what i discovered was that i don't belong at them anymore which was it was weird like i used to go to them sort of this one i hadn't in particular like i i know the guy that runs it and i've not managed to get to this particular venue um but it was like it was nice watching people do the poetry but at the same time like I just I wanted to get home and just chill and rest because I've been working all day and it felt like work in a weird way because it was like you know it's words and it's all that kind of thing so yeah learned to be okay with that which feels good um not to say that I'm never going to go to him again but I think just do you know what I mean like rather than like there, there was a part of me for a couple of years where I'm like I need to get back to these because like I'm missing them I should like I really got like a lot of enjoyment out of them and now it kind of feels like a bookmark or like the closing of a chapter i don't know but yeah no it's it's, it's been a very very good week good uh, what's something you've enjoyed this week i spoke to brian meeks last night and he is coming on my podcast oh nice and <clears throat> i have sort of followed him from afar i brought his uh, mastering amazon ads donkeys ago when he, when that came out and that was sort of my first interaction with him obviously i never spoke to him or met him before um uh, but I read the book um and that kind of really changed and shaped how I approached Amazon ads didn't necessarily stick to all of the things that he said um and I asked him on the show last night to talk about Amazon book descriptions and not only is he super dry he is super funny Mm. and it was such like the 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 show I try to keep at like 45 minutes and it's about an hour and a half and I'm not going to delete a single fucking thing because Good. he was so funny and absolutely savage he ended up um <clears throat> I don't know quite how we got onto it but he was like oh let's look at one of your blurbs and I was like no 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 and I was like I have only ever written one blurb I was like it's crap I'm already aware that it's crap I was like we don't need to you've only ever written one blurb no like for for that book like it's just the same blurb that I put out 
like five years ago or four years ago oh, I'm with you, I'm with you. yeah like I haven't changed it I haven't ever done anything with it like I know it's rubbish because I wrote it that long ago and you know we've all improved and um he was like no no we're, we're gonna do this live and I was like I don't <laughs> think we should do that <laughs> I have other suggestions and he was like no no like what's the name of the book and I was like ah. Oh. Uh-uh. so we did it and it was savage and he absolutely like brutalized it I'm still slightly traumatized (laughs) (laughs) um but he 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 was just fantastic and the other thing that I really loved is that um I could tell that he has top five consistency just from like the way that he was talking. Um, And we had sort of a little bit mini chat about strengths and he was, but he was just so funny and he was so harsh, but it was brilliant. And like, I think everybody, like I really hope because I know that people don't tend to listen to the longer podcast episodes just from like the stats. I really hope everybody listens to it because it was so funny he absolutely brutalizes me like on more than one occasion as well like and then he goes through like and we were talking about ads and how I like mostly do it by intuition um because like I see my stats every day like for sales I check my sales and then I cross check but he was like no he was like no <laughs> like you need to do it on on the he was like well do you like money or not and I was like <laughs> <laughs> it was just like the best episode like I hope that other people feel it was as good as I felt it was because it was it was hilarious like anyway you'll have to clickbait the, the the title I know well I sort of because it's next Brian episode, tears so. me a new arsehole yeah, I sort of dropped that into this week's episode. Mm. Uh, I put like at the end and this is what happens. Um, and the other reason he has given a 60% discount off of his um, Mastering Amazon Descriptions course to my listeners. Ooh. So what is normally a $200 course, he's giving to people for $80. So I was like, well, I'm signing up to that. Yeah, Because that. clearly my blurbs are shite. And for people who maybe don't know who Brian Meeks is, he is an effing guru on Amazon. Yes, yes. On both Amazon ads and blurb descriptions. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing this is... his entire thing. thing. <laughs> yeah, and the thing that I like about him is that there's no bullshit what he does talk a lot but um like I there is not a lot of me talking in this podcast episode which is also funny but anyway um he backs up what he says with empirical data Mm -hmm. so not only does he do blurbs but he also tests them Mm -hmm. and that's what I like about him so like he was telling me stories about um how he's done like gender specific blurb like tests actual tests so he's written the blurbs and then he's done the targeting and and so on and so forth and like the results were shocking and um he what was the other thing that he was saying well anyway he's just fucking brilliant like Mm -hmm. he he I I really have a whole new level of respect for him and yeah I Oh, that was it. The other thing that he said was he gave a really contradictory piece of advice, which when I thought about it was really interesting. He said, everybody tells you, and this is a very competition, to go and look at your competitors and like see what they're doing. But he said quite often the ones who are who you go and look at who are doing well in the genre aren't have shit blurbs. But the thing is, they already have 
massive audiences yes. and they throw money at ads and they've got huge back catalogs. So the descriptions don't matter because people mm-hmm. are going to buy the books mm-hmm. anyway. And I was like, oh, yeah. that is very interesting. And he has this very outside the box way of thinking about blurbs. And he sort of gave listeners or gave me permission to do blurbs really differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I think I've been very stuck in the box around trying to create a blurb. So, and <clears throat> the biggest bit of it, I, I don't, like, I'm telling you the whole podcast episode. I'm going to stop. But anyway, I really, <laughs> really fucking enjoyed talking to him. And I just thought he was fantastic. And I really hope I get to meet him one day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I'm probably going to grab that course. I need to do a big exercise on, on my backlist, um, which is something I'm planning on doing for next year. But that sounds like a really good episode. Um, my thing that I've enjoyed this week is... Um, boot camp finishing and not because it's over but because um we managed to go past my success rate of completion from last year last bravo bravo darling uh well done last year we had 78 percent, and this year we had an 80 percent completion rate and um like as a reward i basically told people that you know if the entire group can get over 70 percent, then i'm going to give them a free month of activated authors for december so i've got like a bustling group of eager authors that are just having fun over there and just i think I, don't, I wouldn't say that I like learned lessons in bootcamp, but what I did do was reconfirm the learning from last year, which is that the only thing standing in the way of people completing nano is belief. It, it really, cause there were so many people or like a big chunk of the people in the group that started out at the beginning of November, end of um, October saying, I'm a slow writer. I'm not going to be able to do it. Or like they got halfway through nano and they were sort of like behind where they want it to be. And all they needed was a few good writing days. And then they just stream towards the end. So like we do celebrations every time someone passes the finish line. And uh, it's just nice watching that, like just slowly grow more and more frequent through the month as more and more people passed. And even the people that didn't quite hit Nano managed to hit their best months. They managed to like beat what they did in Nano last year. They managed to get like their best word days. And just, I think for me, that's like the real magic of Nano is like, it's not even about the 50K goal. It's just about setting a new bar for yourself and showing yourself what's possible. And the the entire thing it all hinges on is just the belief that you can get there. The minute people looked at their stats and went, oh, hold on, if I keep doing this, I'm going to hit it. Like it just went. Mm. So I'm very, very proud of everyone who, who got involved. And I'm already sort of looking at the planning for next year and how that's going to work. So, yeah, I, my brain just then was like, oh, we should go down an input hole of like belief psychology like oh, we you? should study all about that and I was like Sasha stop input you're really sweet you're very cute but no mm-hmm. like we have stuff to do but like deep down in my brain I'm like oh, I want to know all about that yeah because what was your highest word day before your 6k um I it was on that Saturday that we did with you back uh-huh. in April um, so I had previously, sorry, I'm opening spreadsheets. That's what people can hear clicking. Previously, I had had a 4,000 word day. I can very easily average two to three, three and a half thousand words. That is like, that's not that hard for me to do that. Um, and then in. Um, Was this my my biggest word count day? Yes. Yeah. I got a 5,300 and 46 but then oh no that's revision sorry six why is this <laughs> six thousand one hundred and forty six so that was the one and only time that I had gone over 5k mm-hmm. that was April yeah that was when it was and then I got six thousand five hundred and thirteen mm-hmm. but 
but let me caveat that the previous highest fiction word count in a day was 4,100. Yeah. So I went from 4,100 to six and a half thousand. Yeah. Nonfiction is slightly different. Yes. It's slightly easier for me to get higher word counts if I have done the thinking and I know what it is I'm saying in that chapter, I can just get that chapter down and not stop writing. So mm-hmm. those four to five, five and a half thousand word days are not as unusual for nonfiction. Yeah. Um, whereas fiction, I'd never gone over about 4,100 words in a day. Yeah. And there are and obviously I'd only factors. done that once. Yeah, there are obviously factors to help you um, contribute to those kind of um, word counts. Obviously, like you had a very, very strong why and a deadline and you'd set yes. up your week to achieve this. Um, but I think I would also like to add that not only did I get 6,513 yes. words, the previous day I got 5,006 words. Mm-hmm. So that is also, I've never done that. I've never written two high word count days in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's about setting yourself up. But also I think, I, like I know from personal experience, I used to believe that my best I could do in an hour was like 800 words because that's what it was when, you know, I was back in like 2016, 2017, I was doing it before work. And then, you know, the last few weeks I've been hitting 5,000 word hours with dictation stuff. And it's just, you know, you grow, you develop, but it is that belief of like, oh, I can achieve this. So all of the weight that was there just goes because you know that you've done it and you've proven to yourself. Mm. Like one of our boot campers was on um, our activated author Zoom sprints yesterday and we were asking how they were getting on. And they were like, oh, I've written about two and a half thousand, but I really wanted three to 5,000 words. Her average word count before Nano was like, one and a half thousand two thousand at best and like just how casually she was like yeah i'm really going for five thousand just was like it's just belief it's just change and also a big change in genre but yeah uh i could talk about that for hours so i won't um quarterly confessional so um sasha will read 30 books this quarter (laughs) yeah i'm gonna look at you this now yeah while you look for that one you've done your logo I did. Um, you've kind of got your plan for a series of masterclasses because you're doing 2022 planning. Yeah. Um, and the other one was edit accepted anthology stories. Yeah. So that's happening next week. Um, I think I'm still on the same as last week. One, two, three. Uh, so five, 10, 15, 16, 17 books. I don't think I've read any more since last week. The reason for that is um, we were reading this for um, my masterclass, my patron masterclass um and it's one of the worst books I've read in a really long time and I have tortured myself for a week trying to get through it and I'm about 150 pages in and I cannot I just can't go on so um and thank god uh three or four of my lovely patrons who have also read it have also hated it so we're just trying to decide whether um we are going to have a masterclass based on what has been read and what not to do or if they want to swap and I will find a different book for us to read that is good that I can teach on what you should do. Um, So yeah, we're just trying to pin that down. But uh, the result is that um, I basically haven't read for a week and I, but also I was trying to finish Trey. So, you know, I. Also bad books do that to me as well. Oh my God. Like it really puts me in a hole and uh, it, I really worried because I was like, I now need to read like 16 books or something ridiculous this month. No, I think it's, I have to read 13. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I have to yeah. read 13, but I want to read 16 because I want to get to 120. But I'm also going to upload the pre-order for Trey and um, that 
then put it on Goodreads so that it counts because I mm-hmm. have read that so many times this year. So, but I'm going to put just put it. You can't add Trey time. six times. <laughs> I'm going to add it once. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would like that because that is one of the books. I think I very much deserve to have that on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have al- almost finished an audio book as well. So that, that you know, I will, ca- I will catch up. But yeah. um, I wasn't going to, I was very nervous that that was going to scupper my December because I just can't get through it. And I don't really like reading more than one book at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, yes, anyway. Um, yeah, Masterclass Plan um, so I'm having a discussion tonight in a discussion and that should help me figure out the exactities of what is going to happen. And what was the other one? Anthology. Anthology. That's next week. That is happening. I've got two weeks left to do that. So that has got to happen next week. I'm going to oh. plan it in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will move house. Done. Sorted. Activated authors 2022 calendar and action the first two months of content. The first two months of content are pretty much in the process of being actioned um and the calendar is very much part of a lot of the kind of because what i realized was i was trying to create the calendar without having like created the goals so i want to make sure that like the things i'm putting in contribute and you know move towards the stuff that i actually want to achieve in 2022 um so working on that um i am so excited for some of the ideas and things to happen next year anyhow um dictate a first draft of a novel check 70,000 words. I'm very happy with that. Um, and dictate a short story. I have the um, theme and the sort of submission because I want it to go into a, into something. Um, I have that. I need to just percolate on what the story is going to be. And then I'm going to just see how I get on dictating that short story. See what happens. It'd be interesting. Could take me 15 minutes. <laughs> I love yeah, and for anyone who wants to get involved in the quarterly challenge for um, this quarter, then you can still do so on Facebook. We have our thread on there that's pinned, and I have double-checked, and we did promise three surprise prizes for three random lucky winners. So we will discuss that off-air because I've got like some really cool ideas. Um, Patreon. No new patrons this week, but if you would like to join us for our next level author um, live in December uh, or get the episodes early, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash next level authors. How to the yes. Uh, notices. Do you have anything that you want to mention to our wonderful audience? No. <laughs> Easy. Uh, I'm going to do a shout out to something that I don't know that I've shouted out on here for ages if ever um for anyone who's interested in finding out how to collaborate with other authors i have written a book called collaboration for authors which takes you through all of the journey from how to find a collaborator to how to set it up in a way that you know it's maximized for success and all through into actual tactical um information on how to manage a collaboration um one massive part about that that i spew on a lot of podcasts and you know people might have heard me say about this is it's the most important part of any collaboration is just that first before you've even like decided or or shared an agreement on what you're going to do like that first initial chunk is what is going to dictate whether or not your collaboration is going to be successful so if you want tips for that then check out my book collaboration for authors link in show notes level ups what what level up i'm going to swap screens okay so um Sorry, I was looking at the comments, not the level ups. Right. Uh, Claire Hardacre said, I just had a big one. After writing for years and publishing for three, I handed in my notice at the day job yesterday. 
I'll be writing and doing my author services full time from the beginning of January. Can I just say, Claire is an absolute sweetheart. I love her. I think she is amazing. She's so lovely. And like, I just think she's such a lovely human and she deserves this so fucking much I have had the pleasure of meeting Claire on a number of occasions and I just you know when you know somebody has worked their arse Mm -hmm. off and really fucking deserves this win she really fucking deserves this win and I'm just so happy for her so yeah congratulations Claire um what's next comments yep uh hang on let me scroll down right Carrie Hadiski says, since I still have a part-time job uh, plus parent life, it's a juggling act. We do have a pretty good routine in terms of fitting in my work time. Uh, I work during nap time and when my little one goes to daycare and then in the evening after dinner. Now, whether I'm productive, well, we did have a complaint, Dan. There were no outtakes from last week. So Emily Han noticed that there were no outtakes and said that she was deprived um and of course uh that we were just i think we were both shattered last week and just weren't re- feeling very funny um so we will endeavor not to do that again i do apologize profusely on the behalf of our lack of humor uh emily continues to say current job sucks sometimes but i'm comfortable working from home and appreciating the paycheck i hope to someday soon be a full-time self-employed creative uh, Michael Nasberg said uh, when I quit my job uh, my old job it was good when I celebrated my first full year as full-time as a full-time author self fuck me <laughs> when I celebrated my first full year as a full-time self-employed author and she wants to narrate audiobooks um, <laughs> it was really good when I made more as an author than I did in my old job it was amazing Um, however when I released a book that flopped it was ugly when I released another book that flopped it was really ugly when I got burned out and felt no motivation to write it was extremely ugly and trying to figure out next year's health coverage as a self-employed author is unbelievably frustrating I'm so jealous of Dan and Sasha and anyone who lives under a universal healthcare system right now yeah and I have to say we are very privileged Mm-hmm. to live in in that situation uh i'm just going to do one more we did have comments from edwin and renee as well um but the last one i'm going to read is from jc uh, who said uh, loved the podcast and particularly appreciated the note around how this is a lifestyle and therefore can become all-consuming when sasha first said that i was like hell yeah i want my lifestyle to uh i want my lifestyle to be a full-time writer but as you kept talking i did try to really sit with that notion and especially the ways in which it may affect others around me which it definitely does yeah i've got a good balance <laughs> with my current full-time job which has allowed me to do writing on the side and when i become a full-time writer i do want to maintain some type of balance with the writing and other aspects of my life but i may be surprised about how challenging it actually is mm-hmm. and trying to go into it with all eyes open that's what's so great about your podcast and others i feel like you do a j- good job of showing the good the bad and ugly each week so thank you for that mm-hmm. authenticity and i just like i loved that comment um because i really feel like i don't want to be like a debbie downer ever because like you know, I've got so much to be grateful for and my life is fucking amazing, but it's also really fucking hard. And I just, yeah, I don't want people to come into this life thinking it's all sunshines and fucking roses and boobs. No it's not, you know, like, you know, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah I think it's really important that we we do show the good stuff and you know the stuff that's tricky because there's it's a good balance of both yeah I did have a, a conversation with some people about this yesterday where it's like you kind of come to the realization that although you can obviously be a lot more creative in you know being self-employed writer author um there are there is the the cash side of it and the sexy side of it so the cash side is the stuff that you really do have to build up to a point in which you can then do the sexy side yeah like there are just yeah money has to happen basically otherwise you can't do this uh question of the week are you ready no so um i can't remember if we mentioned six figure authors at the beginning of this episode or before we it recorded off air i think yeah. yeah um but i'm kind of stealing the question from them because it was really interesting to hear their answers to this and I, w- I would be very interested to know your answer if you were to start over how would you approach the launch of your first book and this is 2021 with the knowledge that you currently have so you're back in the day job i Okay, if I'm back in the day job, I would probably save quite a bit more money than I necessarily did. Um, I would probably not launch until I had written a reader magnet and I had done some kind of attempting to grow a mailing list. I probably would have started my podcast earlier. Mm. Yeah, now I know that that is not one that most people would do and that is okay you asked what I would yeah, do yeah this is what I would do I am I'm not, not telling you off session. Wow. no no I just <laughs> because I don't want listeners to get the wrong yeah. idea and think that they need to start a podcast they don't I write non-fiction there is a purpose for my podcast as well as yeah you know, just giving as a reminder to... your first book was the villains. non-fiction mm-hmm. yeah yeah um I I'm trying to give a holistic answer though right mm-hmm. so like I'm taking this from nonfiction and fiction. Some of the principles of what I would do is I would make sure I had written a reader magnet and I would have attempted to promote that reader magnet. Um, I probably for fiction would have waited a little bit longer until I had book two at least drafted, I think, before I launched book one. I'm not a rapid releaser, but um, I feel like I made the mistake. So I had six months between book one and book two, which was okay. But then I had like four years between <laughs> book two and book three. Right, and, and so the other thing that I would do is that I would plan the books in the series, all of them before I started writing. Um, and I know that some people don't plan and that's okay, but I think what I would have done is to at least have an idea of where the series was going in a much more comprehensive way than than what I did. I just had this loose idea about how it was going to end. And I don't feel that I've necessarily done that ending justice because I fucked a few things in book two that are preventing me from doing what I wanted to do in book three. Um, And so, yeah, I just like it's it's difficult, really, because I had originally wanted like a seven book series. And then like I definitely could have had four, like for sure I could have had four books because it's been very hard to end it in book three. And I think I've there are some bits that are a bit rushed in there as a result. Still proud. I still like the book, but it's not Quite the book that I would have yeah. wanted it to be. No. Um, um, 
but I'd really like I, I know if you write sort of like crime and thriller and episodic stuff, you can't really do that, like because you don't know how many books are going to be in a series because you can just keep writing case by case books. But if you're writing a fantasy series, I or, or a series where, you know, like, let's say it's a romance series and there's five couples and it's going to be 10 books or whatever, I would definitely have an idea about where each of those characters was going to be at the end even if you don't know the ins and outs of every single book I would very clearly have that in mind and I would very clearly have less magic rules but much clearer magic rules um if you write fantasy so there are a few things that I've learned about world building that I'm like I will never do that again (laughs) Um, because I overcomplicated things and I've made it very difficult to come up with solutions so I think I would focus like because I will write more magical fantasy um but gay um I think there are I have learned about world building and and simpler keep it simple stupid like in in the in the simplicity comes the complexity if that makes sense so yeah there's definitely something around like planning out a series planning out um the character ends even if you don't know the the plot and story end um and and that is purely because I made so many mistakes and okay that might not work for some people who really don't want to plan books and that's cool but this is a mistake that I made and I have learned that I am very definitely a plotter like a hundred percent I really thought that I was somewhere in the middle and I can be I actually can be I can pants the short story I can I can do that but I the best books I write are the ones that are really super planned so that is a lesson from me what else would I sorry and I and so I appreciate you asking about a launch but actually I feel like these things are pivotal I thought you would yeah yeah like I feel like these things are pivotal to not just a book one launch but like a strategy and a business like if you're if you're coming at this launch with a career you know so the other thing I still feel like I wouldn't necessarily throw loads of money at book one I still feel like I I still am yeah I still feel like the journey that I've gone on with that is the right one in that I won't won't really ever throw money at stuff until there's two or three three probably books in a series or books in a in a genre um I think that I would when I have those three books I think I would yeah I think I would just throw books out until I got to number three and then I would be more consistent with marketing and promotions but then like still yeah isn't it funny I feel like I would do a lot less than what I actually did because it's this for me is really about book three (laughs) and I know that's horrible that's so discouraging to people but it is about like you can't make a return on your investment on book one well you can but it's unlikely Yeah. yeah so the other things that I would do is that I would, um, and I do this anyway, but I would go, sorry, like my brain is, I'm just like intellecting about all the things and trying to work out how to say what I'm trying to say. Um, I would go niche mm-hmm. and I would do more understanding in that niche. I would, I would look at authors. I would look at, I would know more information about that niche and about competitors. I would know exactly what those authors are doing, 
how they're doing it. I would know, I would have checked weekly ranks. I would have like built up a massive list of keywords. By keywords, I mean competitor titles, competitor author names. I would be following those authors on like, and this is a funny thing. We're talking about a launch and I really am struggling to talk about the launch because it's everything else around the launch that's really important. It's not necessarily the launch itself because ultimately you chuck the book out there's not a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the niche, I think I would probably do a short print run. Um, and depend, like I say, depending on the niche, because there are some niches where they will accept ebooks. And I would probably try to build, reach out to reviewers. Um, I still feel like there is some value in doing the donkey work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that people want to do it. Like if you write romance, you should probably focus on TikTok and reaching out to TikTok book talkers. Um, you know, young adults still predominantly Instagram. Um, you know, so I would. Yeah, I think I think I'd do a lot of the same things, but I would just be slightly more organized. I would know more. I would want to know fucking everything about that niche. Like and I so this is the thing Like going into next year, I am writing to market like this is an exercise in writing to market. Like hands up. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to confess that I will say I am hardcore writing to market, but I'm not doing the fast publish repeat model, if that makes sense. I do a slower model, but like I am going to know fucking everything about everything possible in the niche that I'm going into. And um, I think that that is the thing that would help me because I don't want to give like random tactics because like if you're going to go into urban fantasy, you probably want to go into KU and chuck a load of money at advertising. But if you're going to go into women's fiction historical women's fiction you probably want to be wide you probably want to try and look at what trad models are doing I don't know I'm just making it up I you know I don't know anything about historical women's fiction (laughs) but do you know what I mean you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like I feel like I would I feel like all the experience I've had over the years has taught me how to understand the market in a deeper better way and that is the thing that's really important to me because Mm -hmm. I don't think you can play a market until you know a market no so, yeah, I don't feel like that was the answer that I should have given, but it's the answer I gave. So I think that is the answer you should have given. Like <laughs> what I so where this question comes from, obviously, you're doing a lot of research and stuff into looking at what your next projects are. I am doing a lot of research and percolation over what my next projects are. And I happened to stumble across the Six Figure Authors episode. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, they gave each other like two and a half grand budget and said, like, if you were to start again, basically this question. And what I found very interesting was then unsurprising was they all had the same answer like what was their answer i've forgotten pretty much along pretty much along the lines of what you said it would be a case yeah it would be a case of you know being much more aware of the genre it would be um sort of starting and like very deliberately going with a series so you have something that's continuing and bringing in money um literally everything you said and like in the in the same way without plugging my own book but like the self-publishing blueprint one of the first things that i look at that is number one what is your why what do you want to achieve and i think that's maybe one thing that we need to distinguish here is that we're talking from perspectives of people who are looking to make this a long-term career. So if mm-hmm. you are wanting to write a book to give to like a family member or just to like write a book for you know memoirs and things, your goals might be slightly different. Your approach might be slightly different. I'd probably say not so much. Um, but then the first main chapter, and like I still stand by this when I talk to authors, 
is if you want to know how to publish and launch a successful book, it starts before you write it. Because yep. first time authors, and I, I, am, I was the same, like I wrote the book that I enjoyed. And then afterwards was like, okay, how do I now market the thing? Or do I have to go back and like tweak the thing to then market it in the right way? Um, and sorry, my, my whole train of thought has just gone off. Um, yeah, so it all starts from the beginning and being very deliberate in like how you're going to approach it. And what I will say is that this question for me, the first couple of years of writing, I personally wouldn't change that much because as a, as a creative, I learned from each of those projects. I grew, I got to the point where I now understand the knowledge that I have. So I can look much more strategically, more broadly at a series, at a thing that I'm going to create and go, okay, how am I now going to approach this with the knowledge that I have? And I get that, you know, first time authors don't always have the advantage of that. What I will say to people who are currently unpublished listening to this is do, do, please do try and do the work. I know like you want to write that book that is from the heart. There is a way you can do that while also being smart and making that in a way that it does fit a genre. Like, like Sasha said, look at your competitors, look at keywords, look at like if they're KU or wide, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that for me, I don't really want to like repeat a lot of the stuff that you said, because I think you covered a lot of what I would say, but just to kind of push on a bit more, like I am very specifically now looking at series. Um, when winter comes for me, it was kind of like a step in that direction, but it wasn't entirely, I think, where I should have gone. Like, I have no regrets about that book. I love it. Like it, it's for me, it is my, my best written book. And I'm so fucking proud of it from like beginning to end. Now looking forward, um, one thing that I've learned from a lot of other authors at writing series uh, over the years is that, you know, the longer you can make a series the, and the more successful you can make that series, the more likely you are to earn back money on the production of that because you have somewhere for readers to go. Um, there's, there's always more content and it gets them more familiar with you with, with each book. What I like the idea of is plotting, for example, a 12 book series, having a global arc that would take you from book one to book 12 so that you have that in your mind of where this story could go. You then split that 12 into four trilogies with an idea of like obviously heavily outline the first trilogy and then have an idea at least of the next few trilogies, kind of like what you were saying, like knowing where it was all going to go in, in the end. Because I didn't, well, we did not do that with the rut. <laughs> Me and Luke kind of, we wrote the book, we loved the book. And then we kind of afterwards like, okay, where does it go next? And we kind of, we know where it's going to go now. But when we wrote the first book, I don't think we had that, that whole arc. Um, and then what I'll likely be doing is looking at the trilogy writing a trilogy before I then publish that trilogy, publishing it, not rapid release model, but relatively close to each other so that it can at least start building hype. And then looking at how successful that trilogy is. If it looks like it's gaining momentum, if I've like, if I'm happy throwing money at it and doing things and seeing this moving in a sort of um, positive direction, then looking at books four, five, six. And that way you keep giving yourself like nice clean breaks in case you do need to step away from that series similar to like oh i say similar kind of like um how you're approaching trey like although you've you made the books considerably less you're trying to find that clean cutoff point where you can give readers a satisfying end despite mm -hmm. the fact that you wanted to do more um because i i do need to look at you know bottom line sales and making sure that the books are generating that income um and i also need to balance that with the way that i work in a way that's creatively satisfying so at the minute, I am going so, so deep into reading around the genres, trying to like nail the niche, like you said. Um, I've read quite a few different fantasy books and start of series recently, and I'm yet to find that sort of sweet spot of where I sit. Like I'm working towards it and I can feel myself sort of narrowing down. Oh, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 
competition pennies like all uh-huh. the things I'm sorry I'm just like I'm buzzing because like some of the things that you're saying I'm like oh I know that about me like because mm-hmm. I've been doing and I'm like oh I think I know that too like mm-hmm. so you're just helping yeah sorry I'm sorry yeah. just keep going I'm just excited for you I'm excited for me I'm excited for us I'm excited for fucking world domination uh-huh. like <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah it's gonna be it is gonna be a lot more strategic and like I say I'm I'm, I'm still trying to find the vein that I want to tap and sort of the competitor authors that fit within the thing that I want to, like I found some really good ones, but they tend to be at the minute, they're a bit too sci-fi. Whereas I want to like peel it back to like the horror fantasy mesh if I can. Um, and you know, thank- I'm, I'm going to interrupt again. I'm sorry. You know how you were saying like, you want to focus on series. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about the niche I'm looking at, they're all standalone books. <laughs> but are they linked? No. Oh, wow. However, I think that is a symptom of, who is publishing not necessarily what the market wants Mm. so i'm gonna look at that one one very interesting thing that you mentioned um i'm not sure it was i can't remember if it was answered the question before but like another thing for people to be aware of is when you are looking up competitor authors please do look at they're also bought so i'm reading um and I'll, I'll say a name because I'm like a massive fan of her writing. It's like the first book I've read of hers, Lindsay Broker's um, Dragon Gate series. And the writing's awesome and the series is, is fantastic. Um, but she's not a competitor author for me because if I go into her also bought, all of her also bought are her own books. So she has a very rabid fan base. And yeah, that's just, how she activates and like generates her income. Just on that, Kindle Trends. I don't know if you know or have heard of Kindle Trends. He Nat Connors, he was on a podcast of mine. I can't remember which. I'll have a look whilst you start talking. He has added a Chrome, uh, what is it? Like an app thingy? Chrome extension. Extension, yeah. And it will download all of the also bots for you. So if ah. you are Kindle Trends subscriber i think that works and um it's super cheap and he will send you weekly information about your genre um and if you have a listen to the episode which i will find and we'll put in the show notes um i'm pretty sure there's a discount from the rebel author podcast mm-hmm. um but that is also helpful because not only are you downloading the also brought's you get it in a spread you can open it in a spreadsheet and so nice. then it's a list of keywords as well mm-hmm. so it's super helpful yeah so it's something for people to watch out for if like the also bought and it's not like exclusive but for example i don't think um lindsay would be a competitor for me because like she has her own ecosystem of books and people who will buy her books so it's less um sort of realistic yeah. about you know other people that might hop over to my books if i were to target her um but yeah so i'm i'm doing Episode that 97 Nice. Know your bookmark market with Nat and Kindle Trends. Cute. Yeah, no, I'm doing that. I'm um looking into keywords very specifically. I'm looking just like like I say, all the things that you said, most of what my marketing and my launch plans would be now are to do it all before I write the book, yeah. rather than writing the book and thinking I'm writing a fantasy without actually like looking into what you're writing. Um, I am going to start with the blurb. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take Brian's course and then I'm going to reopen that seven figure fiction book that I read by Theodora the Taylor. Universal Fantasy. Yeah, it's called Seven Figure Fiction. Yes. That's the book title. Yeah. I know. And between those two, I'm going to start with the blurbs for the books and then from the blurbs, I'm going to outline. Do you know what I got from that Theodora Taylor book? Like, it definitely is useful. The big takeaway I got from that, which is kind of 
<laughs> my approach anyway is find what it is in your story that relates to the human experience mm. like give readers something that they can really connect with on like an emotional level like yeah. i think she just goes down into more granular traits oh yeah she's very specific on her examples which are yeah. useful for people um but yeah no i i would I, like my entire launch efforts would be my market research yeah that's it because that's 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 where i'm going now like um i am approaching writing my first sort of like big series is in a different genre and a lot of what i'm doing is just trying to find that that crosshair that venn diagram of what will i enjoy because you know it's stuff that i genuinely enjoy what also is selling so that i can you know give myself the best chance for writing a book that i enjoy writing that sells and you know a lot of that is looking into covers a lot of that is looking into competitor authors a lot of that is looking into sort of like pro styles povs tenses all of that kind of stuff that is specific to that genre tropes like knowing all of that before you then write a book like it seems weird that i didn't do more of this in hindsight um but yeah and also just for me I was just gonna say I stood at my fridge this morning just before we came on air making a coffee and was and I the thing that I said to myself was what else do you need to know yeah that was literally like the last thought I had before we came on air was okay Sasha what else do you need to know about this genre like that was literally and I'm like I I love that you asked this question because it's so relevant to what I'm doing right now in the background no I want a solid list of authors I can compare to that are doing well and doing things that like I appreciate and would enjoy doing. Um, I just, I just want to funnel all of my energy right now into research before I even write the book. And like, I know that the book writing process, like it will probably tail off and, you know, take its own direction as it always does, but just everything at this point to try and, because like I say, I speak to a lot of first time authors who you ask them what genre they're in and they will say like, Oh, fantasy. And then you go, okay, can you, can you be more specific? No, it's just fantasy. I'm like, that's not like the best way to, to approach that because there are lots of different fantasy books as I'm definitely sort of learning more of now, like more niches that I was unaware of. Um, and I know a lot of people who do hit that seven figure or six or seven figure by tapping the vein and finding particular niches. Yeah. The other person I'm going to give a shout out to is um, Alex Newton from Kalytics. So Kalytics and Kindle Trends are two data analysis companies that try to turn complex data into simple, understandable, uh, digestible uh, information about genres for you. Uh, the thing that I will say is they both focus on ebooks. Not all genres dominate in ebooks. There are some genres that dominate in paperback. Um, and it is a myth that indie authors can't sell paperbacks just to also add that however um they do sell paperbacks yeah there are some authors that i know that sell more paperback than ebook adam croft is an example he is a very very uh well off very very successful author and he shifted in the last two years to paperback uh and has like his own essentially publishing print distribution system because he um went niche based a crime series on the Rutland police force which is the smallest county in the UK very fucking clever guy and the Rutland police force very much appreciated that and 
and all of a sudden it's gone so local that it's in all the local bookstores everywhere I go around here because I live near there um I thought that was nearby yeah yeah it is yeah it's fucking everywhere and it's it clever very fucking clever boy um but now he sells more in print than he does an ebook and he was making a fuck bucket of money digitally before that so you can imagine where he is now um anyway the point was um these calytics and kindle trends look at data for ebooks um mostly amazon um but it is useful data the other thing that I would say is that it is not all of the data. So you have to take, I think what these reports don't do is take into consideration societal trends. Um, they don't take in, they don't take in the wider impact or the wider desire or anything that you may know by being part of a sector of society if that makes sense they're from a particular view and lens only looking at a certain amount of data so just just bear that in mind when you mm. when you when you look yeah 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 so i mean for me to to sum up all the market research stuff to actually like make sure that i'm hitting the right place when i push that book is like the biggest marketing thing i can offer um i've got i've i think we should do one thing because we've talked a lot about market research and needing to know your genre without telling people very tangible specific things that people should know so shall we say a list of all of the things that people should know yeah okay do you want to start you do one i do one you do one i do one Go. genre and subgenre. um you should know author names and book titles list of useful categories you should know book covers inside out and that means you should know the color tones and palettes that are often used in your genre you should know whether they're illustrated whether they're photographic based whether they're cartoony based you should know um the types of fonts and expectations even if you don't know the font names you should be able to recognize fonts that are similar um you should know uh placement and layouts you should know um yeah okay that's probably enough on the cover mm. um tropes and i'll give a very tangible example without um naming them but uh an author friend of mine wrote a lit rpg book um and basically spoke to me about it afterwards in which so what he discovered about lit rpg books he wrote a book about a guy and about a guy who basically could go into a video game but could also come back out of it because of like this sort of vr headset and it turned out that the lit rpg genre for the most part responded much better to people that were basically like brain dead who were permanently put into the game. So yeah, I know. So in having that option to come out, it basically meant that he lost a lot of his audience that he could have had, even though he was still writing within the bulk of the expectations, that overarching thing was something he didn't know that he learned after publishing, but you know, he could have fixed easily. Yeah. Tropes. I think you should know um, whether they are trad published or indie published or small publisher and alongside that where the distribution between KU and wide for the top 100 mm-hmm. um getting granular into tenses POVs sort of general location and setting yeah level of humor level and style of humor yes. And whether or not they even have any. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are certain genres that don't really have any. And then there are certain genres that really do. Um, I think pacing 
I was going to say chapter length. Yeah, yeah, chapter length and pacing is another one. Um, I think that um, you should have an understanding of ending expectations. Mm -hmm. Some genres have sad endings. Some genres have very upbeat endings. Some genres, they must have love or whatever. I don't know. Um, The other thing is like you must know if you have romance romance subplots you must know what the expectations are for that romance like for example I learned this this week you cannot have a male cheat mm-hmm. in romance you cannot it is not allowed I, don't even, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that I don't really read romance well ooh, I do ooh, read romance but not adult romance yeah so yeah um, apparently that's a that's a thing um if you're looking to win awards it's probably worth looking at the different award options available to you before you start writing the book rather than writing the book and then trying to push it towards awards. I think you should know who the big reviewers are of that mm-hmm. genre and who the platforms that they are on. Yeah. I think, sorry. No, I'm, I'm getting down to the last I th- ones. Oh, okay. Um, I also, oh, you just, it fell out of my head. Oh. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, Oh, I think you should look at the biggest authors' platforms. Do they put anything out? Do they put nothing out? Do they have an Instagram? Are they active on that? Do they do events? Do they do Facebook Lives? Do they have a Facebook group? Do they focus only on their newsletter? What is their reader magnet? Um, I was going to say reader magnets and start building a mailing list. It's probably Again, that comes after you know what your genre is, yeah yeah last but by no means least i read a book called marketing a love affair i think it was let's have a look marketing a love story marketing a love story by bernadette jiwa j-i-w-a which was recommended by matt goodall and it's a very short book it was very good and i think you should know what the idea behind your fiction is. What is the idea behind the genre? Because behind each genre, there is an idea, there is a, a feeling, a, a... So like, for example, I watched Nora Phoenix's niche, Killing It in the Niche, um, and she writes gay male-male romance. And she was saying the idea behind that niche is that all love is equal. Mm. That is the whole purpose of that niche, right? So I think you should know what is the idea behind your category, your your sub niche, yeah. uh, your genre, because yeah. I think that will help shape your writing. Mm. And I will just add, just for people who like, is the start of your journey, and that sounds like a lot. Like I don't in any way regret the path that I've been on so far, and I feel like in many ways I had to do the things that I did and make the mistakes and genre hop and do all the things I needed to, to find myself as a writer. So by all means, don't disqualify yourself from doing that. If you feel like you need to, like you don't have to get it right first time. That's the beauty of this industry. Like it's flexible. You can take your own path. Pen names are useful if you need them. But yeah, saying all of this, like this very much applies to my next series, but I don't know how much of my past I would have changed. And we'll leave it there. So our audience question of the week is if you, well, we'll, 
how would you approach the launch of your first book? We'll just leave it that simple. Whether you know you've published already or you're about to publish, how would you or how are you approaching the launch of your first book? And that is it from us this week. So we will see you all next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hungry for more? If you enjoyed this podcast, you can hear more of my angelic accent and Dan's dulcet tones on our other podcasts. For more of me, check out the Great Writer Share podcast. For more of me, listen to the Rebel Author podcast. We'll be back next week holding each other to account as Dan and Sasha become next level authors. Sasha! Baby. Mm. Ah, ah. Mm, 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 mm. Ah, ah. Yeah, I'm out. I have no idea what the fuck just happened, but I loved it every okay, single goddamn just... second.